my great joy to be with you today. I've had such a, a good time working with Corey and getting to know him and Edie over several years, and I was a part of their journey as they were deciding to come here as um, to serve all of you, and now I'm thrilled that I'm able to connect with this campus. And I invite you now to hear this word from the Lord. It's from the book of James, and I'll be reading verses 2 through 8. Stand firm. Sorry, I started in the wrong place. Let's try again. My brothers and sisters, think of the various tests that you encounter. Now, now that's not just the test you take in class. Let's be clear about that. There are other tests. So, my brothers and sisters, think of the various tests tests you encounter as occasions for joy. After all, you know that testing of your faith produces endurance. Let this endurance complete its work so that you may be fully mature, complete, and lacking in nothing. But anyone who needs wisdom should ask God, whose very nature is to give to everyone without a second thought, without keeping score. Wisdom will certainly be given to those who ask. Whoever asks shouldn't hesitate. They should ask in faith without doubting. Whoever doubts is like the surf of the sea tossed and turned by the wind. People that should never um, people like that should never imagine that they will receive anything from the Lord. They are double minded and unstable in all their ways. Lord Jesus, we come to you today to hear your word, to receive your presence among us, and to ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us and bring hope to our lives. For we pray in your name. Amen. Well, when I was growing up, I lived in a community, a little village actually, of just 1,000. And in that setting... We simply got our friends by our zip code. In fact, those of us that graduated, all 60 of us that graduated together, most of us went to kindergarten together. So we didn't have a large repertoire of activities and opportunities to get new friends. Those who we started kindergarten with were the friends that we had when we graduated, and we were pretty much alike. In fact, our parents went to school together, and our grandparents went to school together. So friendship was kind of something that we just inherited. And even if we didn't like each other very much, well, we had to be friends because we were all we had. So I went to college, a college not so different than yours. Friendships began to surprise me. I began to realize that you didn't just inherit friends, you actually made friends. And the friends that I made in college were surprisingly different than myself. Many of them grew up in large cities like Detroit and Chicago compared to my little village of a thousand. Many of them came from very wealthy homes compared to my modest middle class upbringing. Many of them had traveled the world and at that point, I don't think I had left the United States and had traveled very little outside of the Midwest. After college, my life expanded as I went along, and to this day, I still continue to be amazed at the friends 
that I've been able to glean and gather in life to the point now where my friends are even more different than I am. I have friends all over the world, friends of different races and cultures, friends who have experienced um, poverty like I have never known, and friends that have risked their lives to share the gospel of Jesus to other people. And so I'm always amazed that within a given week, I can get emails from places, from students, who are now friends, like Corey is. I can get emails from Romania and Estonia and Thailand and Singapore and Mexico and on and on and on. And I thank God for those friends. I thank God that the friends that I inherited as a young person are still in my life, but I thank Him even more that I have a much more diverse mosaic of friends in my life. And I pray for you that over the course of your life, your life too will be rich, rich with friendships. But in, 19, in 2007, an intruder entered my life. That intruder was unwelcome, unexpected, uninvited, and most certainly not anticipated. I would say that that intruder matches up with what we just read in Scripture as the various tests that come our way in the course of life. This intruder was an interruption in my plans, to say the least. I want you to hear that passage again, that first verse. My brothers and sisters, think of the various tests you encounter as occasions for joy. Notice that James does not say, if tests happen to come your way. He writes as if, and it's true, every single one of us are going to encounter tests in life, things that we didn't expect, anticipate, welcome, or want. They're going to come. And my sense is that some of you right now are encountering some of those significant tests that come with being in college, tests that uh, are wrapped up in maybe relationships that are strained, tests of how do you pay for college, tests of lingering from um, pain in the past. Some of those tests come in the form of deep depression and ongoing sadness. So what about you? What, what are the tests in your life? What are the things that you're facing right now that seem to be the most unwelcome thing that you could ever imagine? I want you to focus in on your life, even as I share with you about mine. What are those tests? What are those various trials that have called you up short and are taking more energy than you really want to give? We all have tests. They're testy intruders. They derail our plans. They knock us off course, and they make life really miserable. In 2007, my testy intruder showed up suddenly. I had spent two weeks in Korea with some Doctor of Ministry students. We had a great two weeks. I had been to Korea before, so I knew that coming back from Korea, the jet lag can be pretty significant. And I was about 10 years older than I was the previous time I went to Korea. So when we got back, my jet lag seemed very slow to subside. 
I kept wondering, what's going on? Why am I not springing back? Why is why am I having such a difficult time getting my life back under control? But in that period where I was waiting for the jet lag to decide to subside, there was one day, Corey, you'll appreciate this, I was leading a dissertation defense. Now, for those of you who are planning on doctoral work at some time, you'll appreciate this much later. But I was leading a dissertation defense, and in the course of that defense, I realized I could not move my right arm. I kind of things were turning around inside of me, but I just kept leading the defense. Now, this is where I like to joke and say, having a PhD does not mean one has common sense. Good, you're laughing, because <laughs> I laugh at myself about this as well. Most people, if, if their arm stops moving, may think I'm having a stroke. But no, I just kept right on leading that dissertation defense from this guy from Africa. Well, we got, we got through the defense, and I got up to go home, and my leg wouldn't move. So the whole right side of my body was just kind of hanging there. I made arrangements to see the doctor right away. And in fact, when I called the doctor, the, the office said, oh, your doctor is out sick. He can see you in a week. And I said, well, no, that's not going to work. So they worked me in to see a, a different doctor. And in a matter of 48 hours, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. My world stopped. My world stopped because I knew one other person who had multiple sclerosis, Larry Menino. Larry went to the same college I attended, although he was a bit older. Larry went to the same seminary I attended. Larry and I were colleagues as pastors in Michigan. And as soon as Larry was diagnosed, his health deteriorated rapidly. He was in a nursing home and he died before he was in his mid-40s. Before me, I saw my life realizing I was nearing the end. It was just a matter of time. And I realized, or I thought, the very things that I love to do, preach and teach, were going to not be options any longer. But a marvelous thing happened. The doctor who diagnosed me with MS called once that very first day, and he said, Stacy, you may see any neurologist you want in, in Lexington, Kentucky. He said, but my best friend is the most well-known neurologist, the most sought-after neurologist in central Kentucky. And tonight, when he gets home from choir practice, he's going to call you. Amazing. At 9.30 that night, Dr. Blake, after having a full day in the office and hospital, after practicing choir, church choir, called me. And he said, you know, I have a full day tomorrow. I'm booked solid, but if you can be here at 7.30, I'll see you before the office opens. From the very beginning of that horrific diagnosis, God's hand was so clearly present to me at every step along the way. I, with, with Dr. Blake's assistance, I continue to struggle mightily with MS 
fatigue, pain, limited mobility, emotional exhaustion, and trouble with the very basic functions in life. And I was left to come to grips with my intruder's presence, that, a presence that I had no power to evict. I'm a pastor, right? I teach at seminary, right? I ought to know how to handle this. But day after day, all I could do was lay in bed and pray a very simple prayer. This is my prayer. God, I don't know how to pray, but I trust you. Isn't that amazing? Someone who has years of seminary education, who has been a pastor, I am overwhelmed, and all I can say is, God, I don't know how to pray, but I trust you. I did trust him. But let me tell you, I was a long way away from seeing this intruder as an occasion for joy. I wasn't there yet. But I knew. I knew these things. I knew I was in God's hands. I knew that I didn't cause the disease. I knew that God didn't strike me with it. God didn't bring it on. And I knew that this disease was not a punishment from God for what I had done wrong. Some of you might need to hear those things as well. You didn't bring it on. You're in God's hands. It's not a punishment. Because we're human and because we live in this world, we have these events in our life. What about your trials? What are the things that have got your attention right now? You know, your trials might not be as dramatic as MS. They might be more mundane. They might be more average to what people go through. But it doesn't matter how small they are. God still cares. No matter how seemingly insignificant those challenges are in your life, they don't go, they're not, they don't escape the Father's care. You need to know that. Maybe, though, you've experienced something more dramatic than MS. A death, or a tragedy, or abuse that is just monumental and seems to define your entire person. For you, too, God says, I see, and I care, and I understand, and I'm trustworthy. You, all of you, are in God's hands and there's nothing happening in your life that's a surprise to him. He didn't cause it. He didn't bring it on as punishment. But when those various trials arise, you can believe that God is right there in the midst with you to love you and support you. A few weeks ago, a colleague of mine, daughter died. You might act, some of you might actually know the name of Ben Witherington. He's a renowned New Testament scholar. His 32-year-old daughter died very suddenly of a pulmonary embolism. I'd say that's a whole lot worse than MS. And on his blog, Ben wrote these words. Having gone through the devastating experience of having our beautiful 32-year-old daughter die, completely unexpectedly of a pulmonary embolism, I was determined from day one, January 11th, 
when she was found dead in her home in Durham, North Carolina, to be open to whatever positive thing there might be to glean from this. Did you hear that? This has been barely two weeks since his daughters died and he has determined to glean whatever positive thing there might be from this horrible happening. He said, I cling by my fingernails to the promise of Romans 8.28 that God works all things together for good for those who love him. The first point, he goes on to say, the first point that was immediately confirmed in my heart was theological. God did not do this to my baby. God is not the author of evil. God does not terminate sweet children's lives with pulmonary embolism. Pulmonary embolisms are a result of human fallenness and the bent nature of this world. Whatever trials and struggles and difficulties you're facing right now, whether you walk closely with Jesus or whether you barely know him at all, God is with you and you can trust that he did not bring these difficulties into your life. But we still have a problem. The writer of the book of James tells us that we can count it all joy when we encounter these trials. Now how might we count something like death and MS and any other problem in our life as joy? Well, let me tell you, there are no, those things are not good in and of themselves. We are not called to a silly celebration of the bad things in our life. The only good that can come out of all of the trials that we face is how we allow God to work in us through those difficulties. The joy comes when we invite God to move us to a place of greater dependence upon Him. And so our scripture passage tells us these words. After all, you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance complete its work so that you may be mature, complete, and lacking in nothing. Here, mature, complete, and lacking in nothing does not mean getting a four point in every class, although that's not a bad thing. Mature, complete, and lacking in nothing means that your heart belongs to Jesus, and that your life takes on the characteristics of Jesus, and that the love of God flows from your life. So could it be that in all the trials that we encounter, the love of God can work in our lives so that we're more like Him as a result of the difficulties we've been through? If that's the case, then trials and tribulations and troubles can be joyful. As Christians, we want nothing more than to be like Jesus. And if those negative and bad things that happen to us can lead us along a path to be more like Jesus, why not welcome them? 
Well, after many months for me of enduring my MS intruder, day by day, I kept praying, I kept waiting, I kept trusting and saying, God, I don't know what's happening, but I trust you. And then one day, my phone rang, and it was one of those friends from college who uh, wasn't at all like me when we were in college, and Ruth was calling just to check in. But as she talked to me, she was so bushy with sympathy, and she was so smothering in pity, and so, oh, I'm so sorry that you're having to endure this, that I got exasperated. I kind of wanted to just slough off all that gooey, those gooey words that she was playing on me. And I said to, I heard myself say these words to her. Ruth, I would have never chosen MS. But given what I have learned about God through the experience, I would never go back. That was three and a half years ago. But today, I can still tell you, I would never have chosen MS. But based on what I've learned about God through dealing with this disease, I'd never go back. I love God more. I trust Him more. I'm more patient. I'm more tolerant. I'm more compassionate. I think my life is better because I've walked through these dark waters. Now, you can see me now. My, my right hand actually moves and my leg moves, but it's only been within the last year that I have had complete freedom on my right side. I've, instead of, uh, M, what I've learned is that MS isn't a disease that always has to go rapidly downhill. And because of advancements in treatment and because of some incredible doctors, I actually have gained ground. I still live with fatigue. I still live with pain. I still live with side effects of MS. But I praise God that I can raise my hand in praise. I praise Him that through the challenge, He's met in a significant way. So let's come back again to your life. What are your intruders? What are the things that are causing you pain? What are the things that have burrowed their way into your life that aren't welcome, that are unexpected, that are just downright ugly? Let me ask you this question this morning are you willing for God to use your pain your disappointment your discouragement to make your life more like him are you willing to stop being mad about the intruder and ask God to help you see that intruder as a friend when Ruth, when Ruth called that day, after I had said those words to Ruth about never going back, it was then that Corey, Corey mentioned, it was then that I began to see MS as my friend, as a tutor, teaching me through God's grace to be more like Jesus. Do you want that in your life? Do you want to be able to live and learn from those negative, trying, painful experiences? The scripture says that all we have to do is ask 
fact, it says that if anyone lacks wisdom, and if we're going to live with these intruders, trust me, we need wisdom. So if anyone lacks wisdom, ask God, and he's going to give it to us freely. We rely on God. We seek his wisdom, his strength to handle life's intruders. But as human beings, we've been told that when difficult things come our way, we should simply try harder to manage the situation. We act as if the whole world rests on our shoulders and we're in charge. We white-knuckle through the difficulties as if we're the only heroes in our life. And the message from Scripture says today, we can stop being the heroes. We can stop having broad shoulders and white knuckles and we can simply open our hands and say, God, I don't understand, but I trust you and I need your wisdom. And God, in his goodness, will meet you, whatever your intruder may be. God can actually make your intruder a friend, a friend that will teach you by the power of the Holy Spirit to be more and more like you. I know, because we're human, we all have intruders. And I don't want to leave today without giving us an opportunity to pray together and ask God to send wisdom and strength and healing for those places that we're hurting. So today, as I close, I want to invite any of you who have a big intruder or little intruder to come forward and kneel in prayer. I'll be glad to join you in prayer. Come and kneel. And let's pray together that God's wisdom will come upon your life. For those of you who aren't ready to make that journey down the aisle, God is there as well. But let's turn our hearts to Him. And if you want, come and pray. And when we've had some time of listening to the music, I'll pray for us all together. But I hope you'll come. I hope you'll come and allow us to pray together as a community that God will be our teacher in the face of intruders in our lives.